Hey, my name is Lizzie Smiley, and I absolutely love helping people connect with their calling and all the tools they need to kick roadblocks and excuses right out the door so they can cultivate the life they dream about. If you want to launch, grow, pivot, or scale your Etsy shop, or you've always wanted to develop the mindset and skills to run your own business, then I'm your girl. I've had that entrepreneurial spirit going strong since my very first lemonade stand, and now I'm a work-at-home mama with multiple online companies and a full-time Etsy shop, all while being present with my kids for the everyday chaos and most important milestones. On this podcast, we'll talk about all things business, mindset, Etsy, creativity, dazzling our customers, and so much more. There's plenty of room at this table for you, so scooch on in and let's go. I'm holding nothing back. Welcome to How to Sell Your Stuff on Etsy. I'm so glad you're here. Hey guys, welcome back to the show. I'm so excited to hang out with you today and talk about some Etsy seller secrets that I have learned along the way that, man, I really wish I had known when I got started. I really tried this round to come up with a list of not so obvious ones, so hopefully this will help you guys out. I know there's a lot of this kind of list out there, like maybe on TikTok and everything. And I find I've even made them before and they're kind of general. And I'm like, gosh, there's some really like painful ones that if you don't know, they bite you. And I'm like, that's that's kind of what I want to capture is maybe some of the meatier stuff. So if you're not new to Etsy, I think you'll like this episode anyway, potentially. Like surprisingly, some of these gems I only actually learned in the past year or two as I've been coaching you guys and learning more and like really playing with print on demand as well. So before we get into this, real quick, if you guys enjoy this podcast and you often learn new things or get inspired, would you do me please a quick favor and forward this episode to someone you know who's been thinking about starting an Etsy shop? Like most of us have someone who's kind of been, and and we've chatted with them, right? And we're like, yeah, like let me know if you have any questions. If you could forward this on to them, it would mean the world to me because if you can help me spread the word about the podcast, like the busy season is approaching and so many new people are going to be joining the Etsy platform and needing help. And like what I really want is I want to reach them before they make a bunch of mistakes or they get super discouraged or they get really terrible advice from a Facebook group or they just simply start without knowing some like really important pieces that can protect them. So thank you so, so, so much. Like time and time again, y'all proved to be literally the most wonderful humans um, in the whole entire world. And I love you so much. This week, I just have one piece of housekeeping. At least that's my plan. You guys know I never really stick to that. But I wanted to mention this to y'all. In a a few past episodes, I mentioned here and there that I've been toying with the idea of starting a Facebook group. Like just for the How to Sell Your Stuff family, it'll be really positive and really helpful. Just be like our vibe, which if you've spent any time in the Facebook groups, you know that the vibe here is quite different than there. Um, And so now I've started to actually get quite a few notes from you guys, and people are really into this idea. And I have a few OG um, people to the podcast who've been here since the beginning, and they're going to help me moderate the group so I don't lose my mind. And I plan to launch it in the next few months, just as soon as my current course overhaul behemoth project is over and live. So be watching and listening for that. Everyone's going to be invited to the Facebook group. It'll be free. I'm just going to be really um, strict about the culture there. I'm going to really protect us and keep it positive. So Just wanted you to have that update. It looks like we'll be moving forward with that and I will keep you posted. So yay, it's going to be so good. I can't wait to be able to hang out with you guys there. So let's dive in to the meat of today, shall we? Um, Given the nature of today's topic, I know we're going to have some newer folks joining us. So if you are a first time listener, welcome. I'm absolutely giddy that you've joined us. I'm sending you the biggest hug ever. Um, And my name is Lizzie and I'm obviously an Etsy podcaster, coach and shop owner. And I'm going to give you a little background because a lot of you don't know some of the of my story. But I started my first Etsy shop back in 2016. And back then, I was a blogger and a social media manager and consultant. Um, and I had just had my first baby. And I was finding it really, really, really difficult to conduct all of my conference calls and do a lot of focused work as her like nap windows got smaller and smaller and smaller. I was just like, this isn't working anymore. But I really wanted to be home with her. And so I realized I needed to find ways to um, make a work pivot. 
And it just so happened that I had published some DIY reclaimed wood signs from her, like her nursery reveal for my blogging audience. And several people asked where they could buy some. I'm like, oh, those are so cute. Look at that. Like, where can we get those? And I'm laughing because we literally, you know, made them at our kitchen table. So um, first, I I tried selling them straight from my blog. Like that, that was the first product I ever sold. And I got a handful of sales from those people who'd explicitly asked. Um, but then literally nothing happened because I wasn't driving traffic to my signs, my shop. I was driving traffic to my blog content. And like, lo and behold, that doesn't necessarily convert over. Like it was not making, traffic was not making its way over to the store for a whole bunch of reasons. But I I think I got a bee in my bonnet because like my husband was very good at building. He's very, very handy. He was very good at building signs. And I was starting to really get a knack for painting them. It was such a perfect it didn't matter what my daughter was doing, I could paint around her. You know what I mean? Like if she's screaming, I can paint. If she's watching Daniel Tiger, I can paint. If she's napping, I can paint. It didn't matter. And um, we had definitely gotten some interest from the blog audience. So it sent me on this path of discovery, trying to figure out how people sold stuff like that. And I quickly found Etsy. Like I actually, I really didn't know about it before then. I think I'd heard the word and, you know, it Etsy is not an, it's part of our vocabulary now, but I was like, it's Etsy, like, like the fly. Like I didn't know I hadn't even shopped on it before. So, but I launched my shop and I was so excited because I figured I solved my problem by joining a marketplace. (laughs) Like, uh, my, all of my blog, my sad blog problems, my shop, there not making any sales were over. And I got a few listings up and I like, I, I maybe made $25 over the course of a few months. It definitely was not the grand vision that I had in mind. And I was, I was very discouraged. Um, I was really discouraged, like to the point of being like, well, clearly, clearly I stink at this. This is not a, this is not a good look for me, but a local friend of a friend who had commissioned a sign from me and she wanted, uh, it was when this was still, it's still a popular phrase, but back then in like the late 20. 20 teens. I feel like this was like a bestseller thing. Everyone had it in their house. One of the signs that read, as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. And so she commissioned that for me and she was so excited about it. And I mean, I, I did my best. This was a really rustic looking sign, but she staged it in her home in this stunning design on her mantle. And she sent me some photos and my jaw dropped because I did not have a lot of confidence in my work yet at all. And that one really striking photo, like seeing my piece actually look so legit, I just knew we were onto something if I could, if I would just keep going, you know? So I literally think that one event is such a critical part of my story because I was really ready to throw in the towel and it was her belief in me and needing her to like cast the vision, show me what my work could be like in the proper context and the proper staging. Like, I don't know. She, is this, is this like, the, is this like those makeup reveals where they show you before and after makeup? And I, part of me, like, I, I have mixed feelings about that. Cause I'm just like such a natural girl, but I also like, I know like little makeup can go a long way, but I don't know. It just made my sign look so good. Um, but it gave me the nudge that I needed. Her belief in me gave me the nudge I needed to fight for it, to fight for my business, to fight for this part of it, to fight for the flexibility to be with my daughter. Um, I just, other people were doing it and I, I'm, I was just like, everything is figure outable. So she really helped me. And guys, this is why I bring all this up other than to catch up a lot of you who have no idea what my story is, but literally that is why I'm an Etsy coach. Because I love to see in you what you don't see in yourself yet. I'm obsessed with helping you build belief in yourself. Like even if your work sucks right now, because you know what? Most of my signs, I go back and look at pictures, they really sucked back then. That one, that one kind of squeaked by. (laughs) It happened to be a standout. And frankly, it was really her staging that, that made it. Um, not to mention, can we just, can we just admit like this spring starting my print on demand shop, I had to suck at print on demand signs for a, or like designs for a while, right? I'm like, I've got signs on the brain and like plenty of the ones I create now still suck. You know, I, I use maybe 30% of them, but it's part of the process. So for now, while you're too scared to start or no one is encouraging you, or maybe no one even knows <laughs> that you're doing it, which is often the smart way to go. Let's be honest. Or maybe you're so excited and like it's hard to be patient. You know, you're just you just need it to work. And or maybe you're desperate because you literally, if this doesn't work, there's no plan B for your family. 
or it, it literally may just be that you don't have a lot of confidence right now. Like I did, like I live career wise to believe in you when you don't and to bring you whatever you need to get there. Because for me, that moment meant everything. Um, and it, it's kind of ingrained in my natural personality anyway. And I just, so just know, here's what I want you to know. I did not do well right out of the gates. Like the right encouragement at the right time pushed me to keep looking for answers. And from there, I discovered the first Etsy course I ever took. And it just catapulted me to connect all of those dots. Um, there were too many loose, en- too many things I didn't understand, too many loose ends. I could find some videos on YouTube, but they were discombobulated. I didn't see how all the pieces came together. So I went from making that $25 over the course of a few months to by the end of that year, I was making $6,000 plus per month. And in the busiest months over the next few years, I often made as much as $12,000 in a month selling handmade painted wood signs. Um, And by the way, if you if you would like some really specific strategies on how I scaled my shop, some things that you can implement right away, I have a free PDF download called the four strategies I use to grow my Etsy shop from $25 a month to 6,000 plus a month. It's my most downloaded freebie and it will show you more specifics than I can talk through on the podcast. It's kind of visual and I will link that in the show notes for you. So I know some, a lot of you new folks just don't even know about that yet, but it was insane and wonderful and so profoundly hard in those early days. But I went on to earn several hundred thousand dollars from that Etsy shop, um, and it was sustained over multiple years, and I learned a ton. <laughs> Blood, sweat, and tears paid for. Um, so all that to say, there were a bunch of things I didn't know up front at all, and if I had, I could have saved a lot of time and a lot of risk, which is what I really want for you now. And those are the things that we're going to talk about today. So that's the, there's your intro. That's a little bit about me and how we got here. But let's talk through the 10 Etsy seller secrets I wish I had known before starting my first Etsy shop. It's actually a miracle that I did not get into more trouble than I did. Um, But anyway, so number one, number one, stay with me, my OGs, okay? Number one is SEO matters, but demand matters more. And this one might actually surprise some of you, which is why I'm asking for your to buy in for just a moment here. So we hear all over the place about how everything comes down to your SEO. You got to master SEO, 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 SEO. And it's true. You do need to understand SEO. And many businesses are made or broken by the quality of their SEO. But it's also crucial that you know that demand will trump SEO. So let me set this up a bit, okay? For the newest newbie listening, SEO stands for search engine optimization. And in the simplest terms, what you need to know is that Etsy works like a search engine. And when a shopper comes to the Etsy site, most often they're going to be typing into the search bar some phrases or words to describe what they're looking for. And if you have those exact words or phrases on your listing, for like for instance, as part of your listing title, then Etsy will know to pair your listing with that customer's search results. And depending on how many other listings there are out there with the same words in their title, your listing will show up somewhere in those pages of search results for that customer. That's how you get found. Ideally, you want to be on the first one to three pages um, or you're unlikely to get seen. So mastering your SEO simply means that you're using the best possible words or phrases on your listings that customers are searching for consistently. But here's where it gets hairy. And I've seen this time and time again when I'm coaching you guys, and we often have to find some unique ways to approach this to to help you get some traction. If no one on Etsy is searching for your product, it's either not the right market for it, or it's not the right season, or the trend is over, then it doesn't matter how good your SEO is. You won't make any sales. And on the flip side of this, for those of you who've been on Etsy for a while, have you ever seen those listings that are like, it's got a bestseller badge, it's clearly flying off the shelves, and it has terrible SEO? You know, like it has three words, and they're hardly even relevant to the listing at all. And you're just like, how... How, how is this selling at all? And I get asked all the time how it managed to get any traction without any solid SEO. And the answer is that demand is greater than SEO. So when that listing went live, shoppers saw it when it got its brief bump in the algorithm. They Right away, they clicked it. People were favoriting it. People bought it right away because there was demand. And it went to the top of the search results for anything remotely related to it 
because the algorithm could tell immediately that there was demand for that item. And it stayed there because the more that they showed it to people, the more they acted on it. So the there's basically like AI in the algorithm, right? It's smart. It's paying attention to real-time response to a listing to and to the SEO on it and to the, to the pictures and all of that. So this is a super interesting topic. It's such a critical part of the Etsy game. And it's one of the ways to become a six-figure seller is understanding this demand piece. Like to the point that it's something I'm devoting a whole section of my updated course on. I think this is really important. Um, and more about that at the end of this episode, because I know many of you guys are reaching out and excited and wondering, like, you know, asking for updates on the new course. But for now, just catalog that. And if you're a newbie and everything is feeling overwhelming to you, I just want you to remember this for now. Your, for your shop to be successful, you have to be selling something that people are searching for on Etsy. There has to be some level of demand. And I saw this um, I, at, at the time when I was selling wood signs, there was definitely a demand for wood signs. There still is. But I made the mistake of like, for example, my family had a, I made some nursery signs and my family had this song. Uh, many of you probably know it. It's the um, I Love You, A Bushel and a Peck song, like from way back, it's like super, super ancient, um, super, super, super cute song. And I put those lyrics on the sign. I had like three different, a uh, three piece sign set that went together and they all had different song lyrics on them, which also PS now, now that one's probably in the public domain, although don't quote me on it. Now I wouldn't have even done that because it would be copyright, I'd be using copyright in um, lyrics or copyright, but Nobody was, nobody bought that bushel and a peck sign because no one was searching for it. There was no demand for it. So I learned that if I tweaked my nursery signs to other things that had demand, then I was good to go. Just for like a practical example there. So moving on to number two, using tools to see data about other shops and their listings is a gold mine and a massive time saver. I'm so excited for you if you're just getting started with Etsy because the third-party tools that are available now, they make it so much easier. We did all this manually and we had to test a lot more and we often got it wrong. We just did not have these back in the day, okay? Back in the day, you know, six years ago. <laughs> but um, there are lots of great ones out there. I personally use two that are called Everbee and Sales Samurai. And what they do for me that's so important is they show me key data, like how many monthly searches there are for products and keywords. They tell me what SEO the best-selling listings are using um, to get found in the search results. They show me where there is demand. They, I don't have to hunt as much. They show me. And they suggest other keyword phrases that can help me get my listings found. And there's a lot more. There's You could really go down a fun rabbit hole with learning how these tools can help you. But that's a fair summary to get you started. So this one really relates directly to our first secret because these tools are one of the key ways to discover if there is demand for your product and to find future products to create. I have YouTube tutorials. Um, they're really quick and easy to show you the basics of how these guys work because it's so much easier than going in there and having to fumble around yourself, right guys? I would much rather watch a couple minutes of a tutorial. I'll link those in the show notes for you. And just so that you know, uh, if you wanna play with Everbee, they have a free version to get you going, which is really nice just grab my link. Um, and Sales Samurai has a free trial, but then I actually have a 20% off coupon code for you that you can use with them to make it even more affordable. And what I like about them is for that coupon code, they use it for the lifetime of your membership. So it's not just the first month or month, you know, or whatever. So check those out. The tool, the tools of engagement. I could, I could honestly, like, it's too bad. I only have an hour with you guys. I could talk about this forever. Um, I think it's, I really wish I had, I would have them back then. I'm excited for you. Um, so tutorials are a good, good first start. And if you want to dig into my exact strategy on how I use these together, that is really involved. So the only places that I cover that is in a one-on-one -on -one coaching session, which you're welcome to sign up for with me. I literally love doing them with you guys. I geek out. It's the absolute best to be with you and really like get personal, you know, like I want to see you eyeballs to eyeballs and understand what are your goals and dreams? What are your particular shop struggles? What do you need? Like what, What's going on with your listings? Like, what can we what can we derive from the data that we have? And from my experience, it makes my coaching mama heart so happy. I geek out. Um, but also, I'm devoting a whole section in the new course on how to use these tools as well, because it's really such a game changer to have this strategy. It, it saves time. It gives you so much more data. It just puts you on a whole different, like, kind of competitive, giving you a competitive advantage. And I want you guys to be able to add it to your tool belt. So um, that's how you can get, if you really want to get into the nitty gritty with me on, on how I use those tools. Y'all. 
I don't know about you, but the legal stuff surrounding business really intimidates me. <laughs> like, it's not fun. It's not easy. And I generally just want to shove my head in the sand like an ostrich and hope it will go away and nothing bad will ever happen. But the truth of the matter is that we are business owners now, and that is so cool, and it takes so much courage and effort, and it would be absolutely devastating to lose it all and more, like maybe even our homes or our our family's well-being, because we didn't take a few precautionary steps in the front end to set up our business correctly. So whether you're just getting started on Etsy or you've been selling for years now but never quite got around to the legal setup, I want to make sure you know about attorney Paige Hulse and her creative law shop. Paige used to be an Etsy seller just like us, which I freaking love because she gets us, she understands the nature of our business and the Etsy platform so well, like so much better than you know, some local attorney who maybe understands like, you know, general law. She's the one person that I trust for myself and that I trust to take care of you guys for like any entrepreneurship needs. Like, or by the way, equestrian as well. If you happen to be a horsey person like she and I are, she's got a specialty there as well. So first off, I want you to know about some free resources. Um, Paige was on the podcast three times so far. So if you look for episodes 36, 61, an 86. Um, great free advice there. You can learn some of the basics from her of how to protect your, your business, how, the way you need to set it up correctly. Um, she's an absolute doll and she's smart as a whip. And also like you're going to love the easy way that she breaks down like complicated legalese. Like I can actually, I can actually focus on what she's saying and not go blank because it's so technical. Um, you're going to love her. And also this is really important. I want you to know that she's available if you, um, especially in the United States, of course, like if you run into legal trouble or if you need to register a trademark or you have some other issue with your business that requires legal advice, um, you can just search for Paige Hulse Law. Hulse is spelled H as in horse, U-L-S-E. And I'll also have her sites, um, you know, of course, linked in the show notes for you guys. And most importantly, I want to make sure you know about her creative law shop because it can save you boatloads of money. Um, it's literally like a template shop for, for like legal documents, the kind of things that we need all the time. So in many instances, you can just purchase a legal template from Paige directly from her site that will protect your business for a fraction of the price that you'd pay for hiring an hourly attorney. And it's going to be written a million times better than something free off of the internet. Like the stories she's told me about trying to defend people who grabbed a free like contract of some kind off the internet because they didn't want to spend the money. And then like it, it cost them everything like they thought they were safe. But those templates are not written well and they're not written specific to like the Etsy entrepreneur. So she has so much in there. You can get everything from your LLC contracts, which is super critical, a multi-person LLC agreements for partnerships if you work with more than one person in the LLC, special provisions for your Etsy shop policies if you really want to cover yourself there, affiliate agreements, influencer contracts, photography releases, and so much more. There's literally over 80 contracts available plus um, additional free resources. Her blog is incredible. And there's a lot of educational tools, like some even for purchase if you want to take like a course learning some basic business law stuff. So check it out. If you need to order something from the Creative Law Shop and you want a bit of a break on the price, you can use my coupon code, SMILEY10. That's all lowercase, S-M-I-L-E-Y and the number 10. And you get 10% off and hopefully that will help. So just go to shopcreativelaw.com and there are a ton of resources waiting for you. My hope and prayer is that you'll never need to fight a legal battle, but just like we have fire insurance and car insurance for a reason, setting up your business the right way now can save you from a lot of pain later. So I really trust Paige to help you out. Number three, and this one I'm going to... Um, it's going a little more lifestyle because I hear about this from you guys often. I have a lot of kind of, I mean, this is, this is me, a lot more emotional conversations with people than you, you might expect hearing the word coach off the bat. But, um, I wish I had known that my shop would give me back some of my own identity as a mom with littles at home. Um, I was already kind of trying to work as it was, but this, like being able to get successful on Etsy and have something that it was such a, I'm going to explain this more, but it was such a win-win because I could make good money and I didn't feel like I was constantly taking something away from my kids. So I know a lot of women who are super passionate about being at home with their kids. And let me just preface this by saying, I actually don't have an opinion about what's right or wrong. Okay. Like my mom um, was in the workforce. I think she had a two week maternity leave with my sister and me, handed us over to the nanny and went back to work. And she was a butt kicker. Like 
super, super amazing woman. I understand that different women and different families have different needs. And I am your cheerleader, no matter what it looks like for your family um, or for you as a person. Like, honestly, I just want to help you reach whatever your goals are. And I really believe you can do it. But a lot of women who choose to be at home and I talk to, they struggle with this because if they don't have some kind of creative outlet or like, you know, side hustle or something at home and like raising my right hand here because I'm one of them, like I'm a way better wife and mama and so much more fun to be with when I have a business project. So I think it can really, it can really help. And it helped me so much. So if you're worried about taking time away from those babies or you're on the fence because you juggle a lot in my experience and talking to hundreds of other moms kind of in the same, um, in the same shoes as us, in most cases, it makes us an even better mother because we're fulfilled we have an outlet. And when we're with our families, we can be even more present because we're not so torn inside about what our personal needs are. If that's, that's probably the best way for me to put it. And actually this is, this, I just put two and two together. Next week's podcast, my personal parenting coach is coming on as a guest because she, uh, basically runs a company as well. Like she, she, it works with some family members, but like she's very entrepreneurial and she's literally going to be talking about the juggle and, and how to protect relationship with our kids. It was like a very hard, very good convo with her. So that can help you go in with eyes wide open and have everything in order as you step into entrepreneurship. Just like hearing some of her thoughts about that. I feel like she could help you be proactive and fun side note too. Um, that back to like the uh, running my own business, it's actually been really cool for our family because my eight-year-old daughter has watched me on on Etsy her whole life. Like there, I've been on there her whole life, pretty much. And she has taken such an entrepreneurial spirit from it, like her own. Like she even has her own Redbubble shop and literally makes sales over there. And she sits down, she's like, when, she, when we spend quality time together, five out of 10 times, she's like, mom, let's sit down and make designs. And she wants me to like tell her how she can make changes and help her check for trademarks, phrases. And she wants to show me what she's creating. And like, and then the other, the other five out of 10 times, she's got some new idea up her, (laughs) up her sleeve of like what the next thing is she wants to sell. It's hysterical. But the point is we can see how it's impacted her in a positive way. She's very empowered. And, um, like she's the kind of kid that by 15 could be making a decent income from a side hustle and have a very different situation, like going to college or choosing to go to college or what her career looks like. She can really, I feel like fam, entrepreneurial families can have an advantage, like their kids have an advantage, not a disadvantage. Um, I think it's really impacted her in a positive way. And it's made her think about things as a visionary and a problem solver. It's like, I think an added bonus. So I wish I had known, um, I've talked to many other moms who feel the same and wish they'd started sooner instead of like hemmed and hawed for a long time. So I hope this helps someone who's maybe on the fence because they're worried about that part. Number four, I'm, I don't even know, like I'm just, I have feelings. So number four is the legal stuff. Oh my goodness. Like the things I wish I'd known. (laughs) Um, this is a two-parter. So first of all, guys, I have to say, um, I am not a legal representative or expert by any stretch of the imagination. So this is just for informational purposes. I just want to give you a launching off point. I do have an amazing attorney friend who's a household name here on the podcast. Her name is Paige Hulse, and she used to be an Etsy seller, and now she's an attorney for creative uh, uh, entrepreneurs and Etsy sellers. She specializes in our space. Um she can give you great advice and you can listen to her podcast episodes to get a lot of basics too. I'll talk about those more in a minute. But Etsy itself, the platform, when you sign up, it does not require you to register our business um, or do anything at all special to start. You can literally put in your social security number and you're off to the races. But your city, state, and or country, depending on where you are, may have different rules that you need to look into about filing. But on top of that, Paige, uh, and I didn't know this when I started, I only learned this last year when I talked to her, she highly recommends that you register an LLC, even though Etsy doesn't require that. Um, You don't need an attorney to set that up at all. Uh, There are bunches of resources on Paige's website. If you want to go through her free blog content, it'll tell you a lot more. I I I look there all the time because... I know I can trust the answers and it's going to be better than like freaking Wikipedia or something on the internet that is who knows the credibility of it. So for that, I'm going to refer to you uh, to two of the episodes that Paige came on the podcast and specifically addressed this because for us, it doesn't seem like that big of a deal to run as a like as a sole proprietor 
with your social security number. And it's it's totally legal to do that. But Paige sees the other side of this every single day and she's defending her clients. And it's sort of one of those like an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure kind of things. So she makes it super easy and um, to understand and digest. And she's delightful to listen to, in my opinion, because I hate the subject of law. So please check out episode um, her episodes, which are linked for you in the show notes. I at least want you to understand, like, even if you don't decide to do this now to set up an LLC up front, again, I didn't. Um, but now I, I, I think it's extremely important. I want you to hear from her why she suggests it and what the risks are so that like no matter what you decide, you go in with your eyes wide open. OK, I promise you guys like anything legal and taxes, they overwhelm me. They scare me. I don't like it. It gets really technical. It takes out. It sucks all the creativity out of me. And so I've been very intentional with these episodes with Paige to make sure it's palatable for us. OK, <laughs> I, I now I look forward to talking about it because it's fun. It's fun with her. Okay, then um, kind of the part B of the legal stuff. I wish I had known up front that there were steps I needed to take to make sure I wasn't infringing on copyright or trademarks. It's like I told you, I was using song lyrics without even thinking twice. And it's because I saw, I just didn't, well, A, I just didn't even know. And B, I saw other shops doing it. I had no capacity or no understanding of, well, you know, that that was going to be a problem. A huge number of the students I meet with still don't know about this. And guys, like, no shame at all. I didn't know either. That's why I'm kind of plugging this into a more general episode because I know a lot of us would, like, I would skip over a legal episode. So we're just going to peek at it here for a minute. But when it comes to everything from your shop name to your slogan, your product itself, the words you use in your product titles and on other parts of your listing, you legally cannot use anything that belongs to someone else. Um, it has to be either like not someone's intellectual property or part of the public domain. So whether it's a song lyric, a cartoon character, an album cover, a TV show name, anything that is technically the intellectual property of someone else, you are breaking the law if you use it. And it's very common to get your shop shut down for this and in worst case scenarios to get sued for it. Now, what can be a little more obscure is that a lot of people have filed trademarks for things that we consider everyday phrases like happy camper um, or mama bear, things like that. And so we think, oh, that's not a song lyric. It's not a it's not like part of, you know, pop culture. It's not a TV. It should be fine. You've got to search and make sure it's fine because sometimes it's not and you can get dinged for it. So what I hear all the time and I get it. Um, it creates massive confusion and feels very unfair. But people say to me, Lizzie, if it's not okay, then why are so many other shops doing it and getting away with it? And that was my question as well. But like, here's the tea, okay? There's two parts to this. Number one, they probably started their shop before the Etsy bots that were initiated to screen new shops in 2020. And that's why they appear to be getting away with it. Um, if they're a new shop, the, these days, they're like, they're just days, moments away from getting shut down. They won't last long. So they've flown under the radar for just a little while. But, and this is part two, they are getting busted. Like people, these shops are actually getting busted every single day and they're being taken down and we just don't know. We don't know that it was there you know, yesterday and gone today, here today, gone tomorrow. Um, really big companies like Disney, for example, are ruthless and they do systematically come after them. And it seemed all fine and dandy for these shops for years, but they now they could get sued for damages for all, like retroactively for all those years. So it's just not worth it. This is why I get on the soapbox with you guys. And the, um, the only other scenario is they pay tens of thousands of dollars to license whatever they're selling. Sometimes that's the case. You can absolutely do that if you have the means to. It can actually make great sense to do it if you also have a website and a brick and mortar store and you know you can move more than enough product to support the yearly license. That's the only other scenario. Okay, so back to the main point. Before you list anything, you need to search and see if someone's if it's already someone's intellectual property. Copyright can often be found with a quick Google search. It's a you know if it's a famous quote or song lyric or title, um, that usually becomes pretty obvious. <laughs> I um I recently was gonna create a shirt that said something like like whiskey weather on it uh, because I had seen that phrase. I'm like that is so good. But then I did a search and it wasn't trademarked, but it's actually like the name of a song that I didn't know, which uh, shame on me. I should have known that. And I was like, oh, that's for sure someone's IP. So I will link some info about copyrights in case you want to look into that further. For trademarks, you need to search on the government trademark site called USPTO.gov. 
and you can see if there's an existing registered trademark for the words and phrases that you want to use. Um, I know like when I was first hearing about all this, it felt very overwhelming. It was almost enough to like completely turn me off of starting a print on demand shop. So if that's you, how you're feeling right now, I just really want to encourage you. I have a quick YouTube tutorial that will show you how to do these searches and it, it'll kind of demystify it a bit. I, I think if you take a look at that, you'll kind of go, okay, okay, I can at least try this. So, um, I will link that as a reference for you and you can take a peek and hopefully feel a little bit better about it. Moving along to number five. I wish I had known that POD or print on demand was an option. Um, don't get me wrong. I don't regret my handmade sign shop for a second. I, I just also wish I had known about print on demand back in my earlier days because I would have added extra items to my shop for additional income and like to have some products at least that I didn't have to make. So for those of you that it might be a better fit, um, you want to sell a physical product, but you don't necessarily want to make it yourself. You want to kind of hand some of that off. You just design it and you have another company make it and ship it for you. That's an option. It's a beautiful option. Um, in my case, maybe I would have used vacation mode less like when we couldn't take on any more orders because we were slammed or we were on vacation. And so I could have just deactivated my handmade listings and like left the print on demand items up. It could have maybe helped my shop, like who knows. I definitely think I would have started my standalone print on demand shop sooner if I'd known about it. it. It would have been long before I started the podcast. So I think the bottom line is some of you are so passionate about what you make and it's literally why you get up in the morning. And if that's you, keep doing it. I actually believe that handmade products have a tremendous, tremendous advantage on Etsy, to be honest. As so many of the sellers move more and more into print on demand and digital products because the convenience is out of this world, right? But shoppers come to Etsy in droves for those precious handmade items. There's nothing like it. And I think there will always be a broader market for those goods. And I definitely have plans going forward to have shops um, like that working with my Aunt Robbie, who's obsessed with making stuff with her hands. And I'll chase after the children and she can make stuff with her hands and I can just market it. You know, I can just do the shop stuff. But in my case, I am so much more passionate about the puzzle the marketing, the business. I get excited about figuring out where there's demand. I get so excited. And I am much more interested in doing that research than being creative with an actual product. I know, please don't hate me, you guys. Look, this is the nerd part of me that makes me awesome at helping you make money, okay? Like there's advantages to me being this way. But seriously, I do get it. Like I am a knitter. Um, I was actually an avid knitter before my kids were born. And I'm, I'm absolutely in love with the process of knitting. Like I am a process knitter. It fills my cup so much. I can't tell you, I think it's almost, okay. I, these days with, with like the little baby, there's not as much knitting happening, but when I sit down and do it, my husband laughs at me because pretty much every time, like 20 minutes in without fail, he gets like, I'll sigh. <sighs> I just love knitting. And he'll just cackle at me. And it's just, it's, how do I want to say this? It's like subconscious. Like I'm not even thinking, you know, and it just comes out of my mouth. But like it's, I understand how making a product can really fill your cup and fulfill you. So if you're hearing about print on demand for the first time, you want to look into it. I have three different print on demand experts who have come on the podcast that I very confidently recommend that you check them out for further study. The first one is Jenny. She goes by at Jenny from the shop with two P's on TikTok. And I'll link her episodes. She was, I have two episodes for you to check out. Oh, and here, here's the other thing I want to tell you. Like, as a caveat to that, like right here on the podcast, it's actually a great place to get familiar with all three of these gals and figure out which style you jive best with. Um, the format, the way, like they all brought so much value. There's so much information that you... It's much harder to find just wherever on the internet. I'm crazy about all three of them. They have really different styles, which is great because we're all different people. But I personally consume all of their content all of the time. And I will link all of those relevant episodes for you. Um, the second one is Heather, who is Heather Studio on YouTube. If you looked into any print on demand, you've probably seen her on YouTube. She is wonderful. And the third one is Brittany, who is Be A Wolf Biz on Instagram. So for sure, for sure, for sure, binge these episodes. They are so freaking good. Um, and you'll get a much better sense of, you know, who you want to kind of look into further. Uh, next up, Etsy seller secret number six. 
I can't believe how long it took me to figure this out, you guys. Like, I really hope this changes someone's life today. It's simple, but it, like it's <laughs> repercussions are profound. So um, number six, whenever possible, use mock-ups over photos. Even if you're not selling a print-on-demand item or a digital product, okay? So this will not apply to everyone. Some physical products and definitely vintage products will have to be photographed one by one. And that's the nature of the beast and that's just fine and you'll get a great system for it. But if you can harness the simplicity of mock-ups, if it works for you, it opens up some amazing doors. A mock-up is just here, I'll give you a little context if you're like, what is a mock-up? It's just a staged picture of a blank product. So think a blank t-shirt or an empty frame or a plain mug or an engraved product, but it just doesn't have the engraving on it yet or in my case, just a base painted sign. And then you use a design program like Kittle or Canva to digitally place your design on the object and you use that as your listing photo. And you can make it look completely realistic. You know, if you're great at your craft, which I expect that you are, you'll be able to duplicate the physical product to look exactly like the image. And there are so many advantages to, to using these mock-ups. Number one, you save time by not having to do a photo shoot for every single product. Number two, you can test designs before you even make them to see if you set, they'll sell. I did this for hundreds of designs. I tested them as a listing before I tried to make the product because I don't need to be storing all those painted signs. Um, next, if you're using models, you don't have to pay for every single new product because you have multiple uses for the photo. And that would work with several things, you know, for... Um, Actually, if you, if you get really, if you, you could even also hire someone to do, um, someone who's like a really good graphic designer and knows how to use like Photoshop and stuff like that, they could create it to where even like a model could be wearing a headband and they could make it so that the headband color could be changed out with a different fabric through pictures. And so I know I'm getting, I'm getting way beyond, but you could, you could really make your life so easy, but I'm thinking like engraved jewelry, you just have the blank jewelry and then you can change out what the engraving looks like in every picture. You can have a model, you know, wear that, or you could have them wearing, um, clothing, or you could be, uh, who knows, you could, you could use someone's staging set for like blankets. If you make blankets, whatever it is. But also, once you get a mock-up that really works, and this is what happened to me, you can keep running with it. Like, you don't have to try to recreate it every single time. You've just got a winner right out of the gates for every single one of those products that you make. And then also, you can easily provide a proof to a customer with a custom order. So if you've got a mock-up, and like for my signs, I'd have the blank mock-up. They'd say, I want a sign that says this. And I just pull up my mock-up. I send them a font chart. They would pick which font they wanted. And I would send them an example of here's what the sign will look like. And it looked like the real sign as it was done because I put the text on it using Canva or in that case back then PicMonkey. And then they could say they liked it or not and I could make changes. And it for sure prevented returns and stuff and exchanges for them to see how it would really look. So in my sign shop, I ended up standardizing all of my sizes. Initially, it was for shipping purposes. So I could like stock up on box sizes that I needed and easily be able to anticipate what shipping costs would be because the weights were going to be and dimensions would be the same. But this really helped for mock-ups too, because once I had my sizes like nailed down, I did a photo shoot with a bunch of blank signs and I was able to create hundreds, hundreds of listings from those photos by just switching out the design on the sign. And it looked like it was photographed in a room, staged. Um, and for a lot of products these days, like shirts, mugs, blankets, hats, several others, you can even buy mock-ups. You don't have to create your own like I did. Mine were just such custom sizes I needed to. But you can buy those mock-ups on Etsy. Like, And there's other sites too. Creative Market is one. Um, Placeit.net has, a, it's not as good a quality, but it has a lot of variety. And that way, if you're not a great photographer, you can have access to higher quality listing photos for your product. And like, let's be honest, like customers shop with their eyes. So it was really such a game changer. And I had um, different settings for each size sign and a few different like, you know, uh, like, I mean, stage settings, like in my home. And I used a few different staging setups so that when someone went to my storefront, I didn't have the exact same staging in every single thumbnail listing like next to each other. Um, I would just kind of adjust them a little bit so that when they looked at the line of them, there were different ones and they went to the next line and there, there was some carryover. But you see what I'm saying? Like I it didn't all I had, a, I had a couple varieties so that it wasn't all the exact same all through the, the page, but the same photos sold stuff for me every single day. It was crazy. So 10 out of 10 recommend. 
this one can really take your shop to the next level um, if it works for your products, because just mostly because you can test stuff before you even make it. Next up, Etsy seller secret number seven, using a credit card with great rewards for expenses. Okay, first things first, I am not a fan of debt at all. I was always taught not to charge things you can't pay for, but use a credit card to build your credit and pay it off completely every single month. So hear me out if you're anti-debt. Um, I was also so against even hearing about this in the beginning of my shop, but if I'd been willing to listen to how to use it as a tool, I would have saved myself a ton of stress because look, the honest truth is the vast majority of any legit businesses, they, they use credit for something here and there. Um, so for almost any product you can sell, there is an outlay of cash on the front end. And then once the customer makes their order, there's either a small or lengthy delay until you get reimbursed from Etsy via direct deposit to cover your expenses and give you your profit. So unless you have a lot of extra cash laying around, it's like no big deal for you. It can be really helpful to have to be able to put your expenses on a credit card to cover that gap and, and then pay them all off every month or every time you get a deposit from Etsy. It just takes the pressure off of your family um, for sure, for sure does for us. So in my case, we were buying hundreds of dollars of wood, paint, boxes, stain, tools, like all kinds of things that like really added up. And there were times that the in-between of getting the supplies we needed and getting paid was really tight. Um, there were some like ramen noodle, noodle, ramen noodle soup nights for sure. And so the other thing that this is really important these days, I just want you to chew on the idea is that Etsy has this thing called a payment reserve. And it's not there all the time. It's something they often put on new shops or existing shops that have a really big change that takes place. Like maybe they, for some reason, have a lot of delayed orders or um, a huge influx of new orders. And what they'll do is they will hold all the money from your sales until the products actually ship. That means that if you're counting on the money, the deposit to get the, the supplies to create the customer's order or pay for the shipping, you're out of luck. Like you have to front it. And it's a common practice for marketplaces. Like, because I mean, I don't, I actually don't blame Etsy. They have to have some insurance to make sure that orders get fulfilled for their customer base or else the customers are going to come after Etsy. The buck stops with them. So unfortunately, these days, it's an enormous platform with millions and millions and millions of shop of uh, shop owners. Like pl plenty of them are flaking out or running literal scams or just not fulfilling orders in the time frame they committed to. And Etsy has had to protect their customer relationship and their own financials because they can't just be fronting millions of dollars for refunds. So the bottom line, and I learned this from um, other six-figure sellers and decided it was like my the best bet for me too for my print-on-demand shop now. I have a Chase credit card that like my orders are fulfilled on. I, I use it on Printify to, to make it, to get everything done. And then I pay it every time I get an Etsy deposit. That's my cadence. I don't worry about dipping in my family's finances to cover orders if I get an influx. Um, I don't stress about it and I earn great points. So it's already been kind of... Um, an advantage, like we've we've gotten something from it. So chew on it. Like there's obviously no pressure. There's nothing in it for me. I'm just telling you, I would have saved us some stress with those building supplies early on if I had um, been a little more open to thinking like a business owner rather than like, you know, a household that is just anti-debt. Decide if it's right for you. I understand both arguments for sure. And if you'd like to take a look at the Chase card that I use, it's the same one that print-on-demand seller um, Jenny from the shop uses too, and I'll link it for you. And I think you'll get some bonus points for signing up with that link. Like we both kind of, like that's the only thing we both get like points. So um, I just have found it to be a good fit for me. So people are usually like, well, which one do you use? And Moving on to Etsy seller secret number eight. On Etsy, gifts are literally king. I wish I had known this. An overwhelming number of Etsy shoppers are on the platform looking specifically for gifts. So no matter what you create, find ways to make it giftable. Even if you need to copy your listings and create like a duplicate that you can then tailor to a gift shopper, it will make a difference in your sales. It's actually, it's an amazing little tip tool you can use. So I always make sure to include at least one gift related like SEO phrase on each listing that I create. Another good idea to go along with that, if you can, Make your products personalizable or make some of them where they can be personalized. And that increases the likelihood that someone will be able to will gift it as well because people just love stuff that they can customize that way. 
And finally, if you are able to do anything with um, anything special with the way that you package or ship products, like if you do your own from home, advertise that. That is a huge um, seller. And you can, you don't have to, you know, eat any cost from that. You can add it as like an, you can be an add-on. So you create a separate list, listing that's like gift wrap or the gift experience or whatever. And if they want to like really fancy it up a bit, they can add that feature onto their order. It just adds some razzle dazzle. It'll make your shop stand out, get you some extra, you know, extra kudos, extra sales. It'll be good. Number nine, man, we're coming down the home stretch here, guys. Just because there are best sellers of a product doesn't mean it's a smart product to sell. I have in parentheses saturation, <laughs> but it can definitely lead you to a great product idea. It took me a while to fully comprehend this one. If you're doing research in your niche to make sure that there's demand for what, what it is that you want to sell and you find that there's like best sellers and competitors who have tons of sales, that doesn't necessarily mean you found a winning product for you. Like along with searching for demand, like we've talked about before with you know a tool like Everbee or Sales Samurai, when you look to see how many monthly searches of a keyword phrase gets, it's just as important. Like the other side of that research is you need to look and see how many listings you would be competing with if you use that SEO to try to get eyeballs on your products. You can find out the competing listings. You can like Sales Samurai will tell you how like like here's how many searches there are and here's how many competing listings there are for that search. You can also, when you do the search on Etsy, just below the search bar to the right, it'll there'll be a number there and it'll say like comp for competition. So it'll show you how many competing listings there are for it there. It's a really quick and easy way to get it. You just you have to do the search rather than in Sales Samurai, you just get to like look at a list. So it's just more user-friendly. But um, that the key is you want to find products that are in demand, but aren't so saturated that you end up way, 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 way down in the search results. So for example, if I find something that has 500 searches per month, but it has 25,000 competing listings, I know it's probably not a good idea to spend my time there. Probably not going to be able to compete. I need a different angle or a different product. But if I find something that has 500 searches per month and say 2,500 competing listings, now that's worth a try. And then something with 500 searches per month and 500 or less competing listings, like a one-to-one -one ratio, 500 searches, 500 listings, that's a potential gold mine. Like that's a absolutely yes. Those are very rare to find. If this feels confusing or you'd like more insight into how to get this information, how it would apply to your niche, I can 100% help you with like in like a one-on-one -on -one coaching session because I know sometimes these things, um, you just need the specifics for you. And so it's a really, really common question I get. I think we go over in almost every single coaching session. And I love diving into the weeds with you to help get some like real clarity. It will also be covered for several different niches in the revamped course if you're getting excited for that coming out soon. So lots more opportunity to see how I go about this research if you like that support. But I'm super excited just to even get your wheels turning about looking at the saturation of a niche, like how how many searches are there and how many actual listings are there trying to respond to that search? Because I can save you a lot of pain <laughs> if you find by, by encouraging you to look for ones that have smaller competing pools. And this leads me perfectly. Um, it will work perfectly together with our 10th and final Etsy seller secret. And that is that the, re the riches are in the micro niches. And I know I just switched it up because I usually say niche, which is better, but I'm trying to make it rhyme. So we're going to go with it, okay? If you've been around the Etsy circles for a while, you've most likely heard the phrase, the riches are in the niches, which is just to say that the more broad you go with your products, the less they'll sell. It helps to get specific with who you're selling to and what you're selling. But I actually suggest, this is what I coach and teach, that you take this a step further and you'll find the riches in the micro niches. So here's what I mean by that. Here's some, for, let's start with like some examples of niches are, I'm gonna go back to niche now, I can't do it anymore. <laughs> the mom niche, the pet niche, the clay jewelry niche, the teacher niche, or the toy niche. Those are niches. Examples of micro niches are the gymnastics mom niche, the cockatoo niche, the boho clay jewelry niche, the home economics teacher niche, and the wood toy niche. So you see how you can get so much more specific. And if you guys refine down 
even more specifically to these micro niches in your research, like in your SEO and in your product targeting, then like the how to sell your stuff family will become one of the most successful and profitable Etsy groups in existence. This is where the treasure is. Like, oh, it's such good stuff. I get I get excited. I get like chill bumps just talking about it. The riches are in the micro niches. So let's get more refined. Let's get those keywords even more specific. I know that we think in our head, if I do that, then the searches go way down. Yes, but so does the competition. And that's where you can start to peek through. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep, I've already caught, got, had you guys on here forever. I'm so sorry. I could keep talking. I'm going to stop there. But my like coaching heart is fluttering like I'm in love and I, I geek out. So I hope this has helped you guys a whole lot. And that no matter where you are on your Etsy journey, that you took away some ahas from this maybe more technical convo today. But earlier in the podcast, I promised I would give you a bit of an update on the course overhaul. And so here's what's going on. And that also, this will be helpful if you're newer here and you're like, what are you talking about, woman? So I am one of those coaches who does not gatekeep stuff. Like, obviously, I can go into a heck of a lot more detail and show you the visuals and share more strategy in a course environment because of time and and being able to show it to you rather than just talking through a microphone. So uh, I can do it better than I can on the podcast. So that and like the transparent truth that the podcast is a ton of work and I do it for free. Like I love giving away like all of the gold. So I sell the course and the coaching so I can also make an honest living and just take it down. Like I just have more, more ability there to get into the weeds with you. But if you get inside my course or you do coaching with me, I play all out. Like I share everything I can possibly think of and I cram in everything just to get you where you need to go. It's just, it's how I operate. Like I'm like here, yes, I've, I've learned this. You need to know this too. This will help you. So if you want to learn my whole and entire framework for building an Etsy shop, you can jump into my course called Listings That Sell, where I will show you everything I know. Um, that is currently up and running and linked for you right now. But if you're newer to the podcast, you may not know this yet. I'm currently overhauling that course, which is kind of I like sprinkled a little bit about that throughout the podcast. I was mentioning it to include boatloads more. Like I, I wrote that course in 2020, I think it was. Was it 2019? I don't know, a couple of years ago. No, it was 20, 2019. It had to have been. And then um, I have learned so much more from that. And I've helped so many people get their shops like super profitable. It's just a different, I'm really, really excited. But everything in there is exactly what I learned from building a six-figure shop, multiple six-figure shops. So great stuff is. But right now it's got everything I knew to build that. Um, But that was before the pandemic. Yeah. And before the mountains that I've learned in the, in the years since then. Not to mention, like, there's nothing in there about the third-party tools, which is a big deal. So the new course is a beast, and it will have, like, a massive, much more robust SEO section, a whole bunch more details on how the Etsy algorithm works. I think that's really important. Lots of tips for graphics and visuals, mindset, demand, and a ton more. Um, and if you, especially if you've been here, I'm sure you noticed throughout the today's episode, I was kind of pointing out like, here's some of the, the new stuff that's going to be in there. Cause I just keep getting DMS and emails, which I love from you guys. Like, Hey, is this in there? I'm, I can't wait. Like, when is it coming out? So, um, I am, I, th- I think what I, what I really want to say is I'm really proud of how it's coming together. I think it's just a whole next level experience, which is what I was going for. So, if you have stuck with me this far, right now it's only $97. Or if you go through my free masterclass, my free Etsy masterclass, which I'll link for you guys, you can get it for just $77. But the crazy part is if you get in now, you'll get the new course free when it comes out next month. Like every single one of my existing students, when I flip the switch, is going to get the complimentary upgrade. That's just how I roll. And the new course is going to be a $600 course. So I expect it to be totally live by the end of August, maybe soon. I'm hoping actually sooner, just depending on how much longer my nine month old boycotts sleeping. I like we are in the worst. Um, what do they call that? Well, I haven't slept, so I don't know where they um, they kind of like fall back into newborn sleeping. Oh, sleep regression. That's what I was looking for. We're in this terrible sleep regression. But I'm otherwise extremely close. So if it's a good fit for you, and um, I will add this, if you're, it'll, it can help any Etsy seller because it shows all the strategy, but it's written specifically for physical handmade product sellers. Those are what the examples are. Those are like what I'm catering to. There's nothing specific to help, you know, if you're in the digital products, like the practical of how that works, or if you're in the print on demand, it's only just going to show, like, it's only going to help you in the general strategy. 
But if you jump on it now, you'll be grandfathered in for the 2.0 version about to be released. It's a big deal. I'm excited. Um, but whether that's for you or not, like jump on the free PDF download or the mass and or the masterclass. There's a whole bunch of podcast episodes for you to binge. And I cannot tell you how hard I'm rooting for every single one of you. Like I consider you all my students, my friends, my, I'm so grateful. So for me, like, I just care about preserving that original Etsy culture of makers who were just excited to see each other win. Like at the end of the day, that's what I care about. Like we all used to care passionately about our crafts and we just wanted to delight our customers. We live for it. That was the original culture. And I love being a part of gathering like-minded people around that vision. Like that's my goal for us here is that we have that vision, those values. And because of that, I just want to see you win. <laughs> I want to hear about it. Like, And if I can't help you, I will be the first person to, first of all, tell you that. And number two, to help you, to point you to the resources I know can help you. Um, it just makes me giddy to see, like to help you see what's possible and cast the vision for a really unique community of makers. So that's that. If you're new here, welcome to the family. I'm sending you again the biggest hug. I'm a big hugger. Um, if you've been here a while, I cherish every single moment we get to hang out. And I'm so grateful that you entrust your time to me. Thank you so much for that gift. And let me know over on Instagram at how to sell your stuff, how you guys like this episode, any takeaways. Um, is it really just for newbies? I want all the, I, all the feedback as usual. So um, that's it for today, guys. Until next time, go make something awesome. I love you so much. Bye, y'all. And that's a wrap on this episode of How to Sell Your Stuff on Etsy. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. If you're looking for more resources, head on over to howtosellyourstuff.com where you'll find podcast show notes, all the links from today's episode, the blog, courses, coaching, and more. If this episode was helpful to you, awesome. The greatest compliment I can receive from you is a rate, review, and subscribe on this podcast. Not only will it allow us to connect again on a future episode, it lets me know I'm providing you with value and helps other people find this content more easily. From the bottom of my heart, thank you for your support. Have a great day and see you next time.